and I've got some guy who wants to complain about a portage on. It's very easy to grow impatient, restless, or angry, but that guy cares. Yeah. That guy cares about my business. How the hell can I be mad at him today? <laughs> Welcome back to the interview podcast on the Y Millbank Podcast Network in Millbank, South Dakota. I'm Craig Weinberg. Uh, and continuing in our, <laughs> our, our New Year series, uh, as we've gone down, uh, kind of turning this show into just people that are interesting that I've met and uh, want to get to know more. Um, I'm pleased to welcome to the show uh, a guy that I met uh, back in December, actually, on uh, the Class Racing Today podcast. Uh, and I was just so interested in uh, his philosophy on business, on customer relations, uh, and just the history of his family in Ohio and in the racing world. Uh, so, Bill Bader Jr., welcome to the show. Thank you for taking the time, and Happy New Year. Well, you know what? Happy New Year to you, Craig. I uh, was flattered when you reached out, and I'm thrilled to join you today. Awesome. Well, uh, you know, my agenda on this show is very minimal. It's just <laughs> to get to know who people are. So, um, sure. let's go back a ways uh, with you and just... Um, Give us a little little snippet of history of how you got to where you're at right now with Summit Motorsports Park. Uh, you're now the president and owner, co-owner of that track and what that looks like and how you got here. Wow. Um, so I started working here uh, with my dad. It's a family business. Um, I started working here in 1977. Uh, the track was built in 63. Uh, it it was closed for a period of time. My father actually bought the racetrack having never been to a drag race and really? having never stepped foot on the property, which wow. is incredibly strange. <laughs> so um, I started working here in 1977 uh, at 10 years old. And um, my father, uh, I would characterize as a uh, passionate, hardworking, determined, find a way, make a way kind of guy. And, and that is really what was imparted in me from a young age. Um, my mom was a stay-at-home mom. She was that loving, supportive chocolate chip cookie and cold <laughs> milk uh, um, kind of culture. And my dad was like Bobby Knight. Uh, oh, man. Famous uh, Indiana <laughs> wow. Hoosier coach. So. Yeah. Um, and he, he put me to work. Uh, I learned every facet of the business. Uh, I started picking up garbage. I learned electrical. I learned, uh, fencing guardrail. Um, I learned every facet of the facility. And then eventually, um, as I entered high school, started to gain more responsibility. I attended college. I have a degree in accounting and corporate finance and, um, just continued to learn um, uh, continued to, uh, receive a very poor wage, which is always <laughs> nice with family. You don't have nice. to ever pay him anything. Um, and so when I, I finally came to work here full-time, uh, after graduation and by, uh, uh, 1997, um, dad decided to buy the international hot rod association, relocated from Bristol, Tennessee to Norwalk, Ohio. We had a very brief meeting. He handed me the keys and wished me luck uh, and took with him some key management people to oh, the man. International Hot Rod Association. 
And so began uh, in, in 1997, 98, uh, my journey sitting in this chair. And it's hard to believe this will be my 43rd race season. Um, and I really don't know where all that time went. Wow. Um, actually, I do. It was working. It was spent <laughs> working. But um, I've been married for 30 years, uh, you know, miraculously. Uh, we have two sons, uh, both that have worked in the business. One graduated from college and is working here full time. And, and um, here we are, you know, in, in 2021. So it, it, it's really kind of been a blur, truthfully. So uh, 2020 kind of put a damper on um, your product <laughs> because uh, like your, your entire industry relies on fans yes. at some level um, and maybe exclusively. I mean, without fans, it's hard to have an event. Um, I mean, you got to have both sure. racer and well, a fan, but what, what happened? How did that uh, really, what went down? Well, first of all, uh, drag racing specifically, it, I would say is in the infancy phase of its product life cycle, right? So you've got infancy growth, maturity, decline. Um, is it really that new are, still? We are, well, I think in terms of where it's at in its life. Mm. Um, it's 60 years old, but we, we are not, we, we are probably between infancy and growth. Um, we are not a mature product, at least not in my eyes. Um, so, but we're a business that relies on butts and seats. Yeah. Um, and when you have large, uh, numbers of fans that allows you to be able to sell sponsorship. Um, so it's kind of like the, uh, horse in the cart or yeah. the chicken in the egg. Um, so we rely on, on ticket sales. We rely on sponsor revenue and then all of the peripheral, uh, uh, food sales, merchandise sales, things like that. So what we don't have is TV revenue. So is, is that, that, is that because of the, um, the infancy of the, of the sport that you're talking about? I, I think there's probably a multitude of reasons. Um, I don't know that we've, as an industry, done as good of a job as we can or should mm -hmm. in marketing our product. Uh, we face certain challenges, certain stigmas, um, but we are the quickest and fastest accelerating sport on the planet. We, we can offer a new race every four and a half seconds. Um, I mean, 330 miles an hour, 10,000 horsepower, nitromethane belching out of header pipes. Um, everything about our industry um, lends itself to a consumer with a shortening attention span. Mm -hmm. So quite frankly, I, I just don't think we as an industry um, have, have probably done a good job um, and we need to do better. And we touched a little bit on that in December, but, um, so we don't have TV revenue, um, it, which means that we rely on fans. That is the bottom line. We need to be able to put fans in the stands. And unfortunately for a lot of our venues or all of our venues, uh, they were either limited on the number of fans or just weren't allowed fans period. Mm. And that made for just an incredibly challenging year. In our case, you know, in Ohio, the first stay at home order was, I don't know what the 15th or the 20th or whatever it was in March. Um, 
by May, by Memorial Day weekend, I had lost 83% of our revenue for the year. Wow. And for the year? For the year. Oh, man. For the year. With, and, and keep in mind, at that point, there was still no clarity on if or when we could open. It wasn't like there was information from the governor that suggested that, okay, you are going to be able to open mm -hmm. with these parameters on this date. We were just all kind of taking a wait and see approach. Um, there was some inconsistency from county to county. Uh, there are 88 counties in Ohio. Um, but the long and the short of it is we were asked to operate with both hands tied behind our back, so to speak. And in my case, I had very aggressively spent in my facility. I mean, listen, this is like a child. This is not a job. This is not a career. Um, this is like oxygen. Mm -hmm. And um, I invest, I invested everything I had in my business. Mm -hmm. um, so unfortunately, uh, when you look at the numbers and 83% of your revenue is gone for the year, um, I just made this and and I, I want to be responsible in the community. And I had community people that were concerned about this cross-pollination of out-of-state fans. Um, I made the right decision. Uh, and I just decided to not open in 2020. Um, and had I opened, I would have lost money. And um, why do that? Yeah. Um, and, and uh, you know, it, it made good business sense. It was social responsibly. It was a, a, a socially responsible decision. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's the decision I made. Um, <clears throat> what did that do to your bigger corporate sponsors that do rely on, you know, you, when they come to you and you guys try to work that negotiation out, you're talking, we're going to see X number of fans throughout the year and you're going to get this much exposure. Um, sure. Were they understanding in this thing that said, yep, we're good with that? Or did you lose? I mean, did you lose out quite a bit? No, I lost zero. Um, and, and I guess in my mind, there are, uh, we had two choices. Choice A was to open with an abbreviated schedule with no fans, which dramatically, so, so the exposure window narrowed. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, the, the amount of eyeballs and impressions was dramatically reduced. So now you're, you're talking to sponsors trying to quantify or measure <laughs> what that means, right. right? You can't charge 100 cents on the dollar when what you're delivering is a fraction of what was promised mm -hmm. contractually. So in my mind, rather than creating hard feelings and trying to, we have 120 partners that we work with. So imagine having 120 conversations and there was no way I could in good conscience go to a partner and say, I think this is worth 50% or 20% or 80%. You're just not going to get, that's very difficult to negotiate 120 times. Right. So for me, I took every sponsor, um, I charged them nothing for 2020. Um, I, had I had companies that prepaid, I had companies that were on payment schedules um, that had made payments in January, February, March. Um, and I basically went to them and said, listen, we are going to roll your money in its entirety to 2021. 
Um, we're going to continue, you know, we had an awards banquet in January. Um, we produced a season brochure that we mailed to 160,000 households. Oh, man. Um, we, we, so we were continue, we, we had a pulse and we were active. We just weren't open. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't charge any of our partners, anything for that. And we rolled everybody 100% into 2021. To me, that was the most equitable. And that way we, we didn't have to split the baby and try to negotiate because that would have created hard feelings one right. way or the other. And so that was the choice. Um, you know, as of March 1st, we had sold $1.5 million in tickets for 2020 events. Um, we had refunded one half of 1%, about 90 grand. Um, so our fans stuck with us. We retained a And, and, and so to me, um, we did right by everybody um, and we didn't contribute to the spread, so to speak. So um, to me, I was very much at peace with that decision. Mm -hmm. Do you think, uh, you know, now <laughs> they, they say hindsight is twenty twenty now and it, it, it is in a way um, looking back over the year because now we're in 21. Um, do you feel as the you know in, in your position that the response was appropriate the the political response and then what <laughs> governments did uh um truthfully yeah <laughs> um i i think i think it was um and and, and i'm going to preface this <clears throat> i've i've matured a lot the last 12 months um and and i think what I would have hoped for our country in 2020 at the onset of this is that we would not have been Republican or Democrat. Mm -hmm. We would have been American. Mm -hmm. um, and let's set our petty differences across the aisle crap aside for, for eight months, 10 months, and, and let's just be good Americans and, and work together. <clears throat> we, we didn't, we didn't, that's not what happened. Um, and I don't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat, um, I think the events of 2020 were sad. Um, I do think truthfully, and, and this isn't a Republican or Democrat, but um, I love this country um, and we live in the greatest country in the world. And last I knew we were the land of the free um, and that brings with it certain um, uh, expectations. Um, and, and when you're a business in the United States of America that was deemed non-essential, mm -hmm. do not have that conversation with me about what that feels like unless you yourself were deemed non-essential. Right. Um, that was the, in, in my entire career, I'm 52 years old, I'll be 53 in August. I felt abandoned by my country, truthfully. And I'm, I'm not, listen, I know that maybe sounds childish or rudimentary, but um, if when, when you are deemed non-essential, unable to put food on the family, on the table, unable to feed your family, unable to earn a living with absolutely no help or support, um, that's a government overreach. And I think that's wrong. Um, what, you know, you're not born with a helmet. Um, <laughs> our forefathers came to this country on the pretense of wanting a better life, mm -hmm. they assumed risk. They assumed 
um, they risked everything to come here. And now all of a sudden, Big Brother is telling us that we're not allowed to leave our house. Um, how about letting people decide? How about presenting the facts and letting the people decide and, and, and being responsible? Um, but to just shut down businesses um, arbitrarily, um, you know, I, I could go, I could walk into a hardware store and buy paint, but I couldn't go to a church um, and worship God. Um, there is no scenario where anybody will ever be able to prove to me that that's right. Hmm. Um, we were separated from our God. We were separated from one another. Um, that's government overreach. And, um, and I don't care if you're an RD, uh, that's just wrong. Well, did it surprise you at all? Or what, what was your take on the, the speed in which this, this reaction happened? And the willingness, apparently, of the American public to just lay down and say, yep, okay. Well, I, I, I truthfully, in defense of the American public, the media scared the hell out of us. <laughs> That's very um, true. You know, yeah. and, and I still hear commercials, um, you know, on the radio of these um, emergency room nurses um, talking about um, patients who... Um, and they're crying and they're talking about these poor elderly people who died alone and afraid. And that kind of, people were afraid. Yeah. People were literally scared to death and um, they were panicked. They were paralyzed by fear. I know people that haven't left their house since March. Um, and and um, that's sad. Um, again, I said a little bit ago, we're, we're not born with a helmet. We are, um, <laughs> I, I just refuse to, to, you know, hold up in my home. Um, I, I want to live. And what we did in 2020 was not living. So I think what made the country, you used the term, I think a minute ago, maybe lay down. Mm -hmm. um, they were scared. Yeah. They were scared. And the media which I have no use for, generally speaking, um, because they don't report the facts. They have an obligation to report the facts and let us decide. And now the facts are decided for us. And so I, people were terrified. And, um, and it, but I think as time wore on, we were all prepared for these high body counts and, 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 and these large numbers and guess what? They didn't happen. And so I think as the summer progressed, I think people got, they started to maybe wake up a little bit, or maybe they started to question certain things. And no question, if you're an elder, elderly person with underlying health conditions, um, you need to make a choice. Mm -hmm. If if you're 20 something and in good health and, and cardiovascularly strong, you need to make a choice. But but I don't. But I think we are responsible to each other. I think we're each other's keeper, um, and and that just means we conduct ourselves the right way with each other. But but I mean I think look at the run on toilet paper, um, the <laughs> run on on hamburger yeah. uh, in in uh, in a grocery store in Norwalk, Ohio. A gun was drawn, fighting over the last loaf of bread, um, on a on a shelf. Um, that just does not compute to me. Wow. Um, why we treated each other so badly throughout all of this, 
truthfully is more concerning than the stay-at-home orders and the government overreach. Why do we treat each other so badly? Um, you know, my wife, be kind. And, and I laugh sometimes because it's like, okay, be kind. But she's right. Why We sometimes treat our animals far better than we do each other. Mm -hmm. And that's a problem that we really need to examine. Uh, do you see going forward, especially in, in your specific instance, um, do you see a, a, a possibility in 21 that you may shut down again? Or is that just off the table now? Um, I am not thinking that way. Um, you know, the very nature of what I do, we have an open air 30,000 seat <laughs> venue. Um, it can rain on any given mm -hmm. event on any given day. Um, you open our, our largest event, the Kelly Night Under Fire has 40,000 people. The county that I live in only has 50,000 people. Oh. So we deal with uncertainty um, it's inherent in being a promoter, especially in an outdoor venue. Mm -hmm. So um, I am, we, we released our schedule in October, early November. Um, we were one of the first tracks in the country to release a schedule. Um, I read the tea leaves. I looked at some bell cows, some indicators. Um, long before any vaccine schedules came out, I kind of backloaded my schedule um, with our first really kind of all of our events were important, but our first fan driven event is Memorial Day weekend. So I kind of backloaded everything to, to uh, June, July and August and, and later in the year. Um, I am going to be built with the idea that if I have to socially distance in April and May, I can. Um, I, so, but, but by June, by the end of June specifically, um, I, 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 I want to be at full capacity. Mm -hmm. um, if I can't, I'll deal with that at that time. But we are, we will open this year. Um, I've restructured uh, all of our, um, you know, I, I've restructured everything. Um, I've restructured our debt. I've restructured our staff. We had 23 full-time people that I had to say goodbye to in March, which was beyond painful. Mm -hmm. I mean, like bring you to your knees, tears in your eyes, I felt like I let them down. I felt like I should have been better. I felt like I should have been prepared. I felt like, I mean, I beat myself up for months that I wasn't prepared. I wasn't pandemic ready. And I don't care that nobody was, and I don't care that we have never been through it. The bottom line is I should have been prepared. And um, so, you know, I beat myself up for a few months and, um, but I'm prepared now. I'm prepared. I'm going into 2021 with eyes wide open. We're going to be lean and mean. We're the new kid on the block all of a sudden, and we've got to reprove ourselves all over again. So, um, baby, we're coming out with guns ablazing in 2021. Figuratively, not literally. <laughs> right. Thank you. Unfortunately, you have to say that nowadays. <laughs> yeah, you know, and isn't that sad? But yes, you do. It is. Um, what are your uh, what's your take on the current state of social media in in the country and and the basically the uh, let's we could say stifling, but but the shutting down of That's conversation that is uh, not liked by some. Um, I think it's wrong. 
again, what look at our timeless documents. Um, what are, um, I mean, just look at what our forefathers established. Um, that document continues to be a timeless document. Um, censorship, um, to me, that's just another version of a government overreach. Um, I, I think it's all wrong. I, I will not support social media. I don't have a social media account. I checked out um, down with big tech. I mean, I even changed my web browser to DuckDuckGo. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I'm just, it's wrong. What's happening in this country is wrong. And if, if you want to be taken care of, if you don't love this country or you want to be taken care of, then get the hell out. Um, let me succeed or fail on my own merit. And, and again, this isn't, listen, I'm not interested in, in, in inciting um, controversy. I, I, I'm not, I'm not, I, I'm not interested in starting a fight. I'm just saying what happened to our country? Yeah. What happened to the country? What happened to our country? What, I mean, what would our forefathers think today? Um, and there are certain things that are not subject to interpretation. Um, and, um, our founding documents and the Bible are two of them. <laughs> and, uh, so I, I think it's wrong. I think it's wrong. And, and yet we have generations of kids growing up who are okay with it. Hmm. And um, that's tragic to me. Uh, do you see one of the, the thoughts that I was thinking about and planning for this talk? Um, <clears throat> is the fan, and specifically in your industry, but I mean, you, you're, you're an event promoter. Um, is the fan yep. different? Is our fan different than the, like, are they making fans the same? Um, Motorsports fans are very patriotic, very resilient. Um, um, Motorsports fans, I'm going to use a, I'm going to generalize here. Motorsports fans are old school Americans. Um, Why is that? Do you think? Pardon? Why is that? Do you think? Um, uh, well, that's a great question. Um, okay. So, um, they have an affinity and a love, they have an affinity and love for the automobile. And, and is um, the automobile, uh, and I know, I think you briefly touched on this on the class racing today show. Um, but is the automobile a symbol of freedom? It's a symbol of everything that built this country. It's, it's a manufacturing juggernaut. It is a wonder. It is modern, um, the modern manufacturing process, the resiliency of, of America. Um, I think the automobile, um, sadly, our, our country, yes, there are people that want small electric cars. Um, and that's great. I have no problem with them. But don't criticize me because I want a big truck and I want to go fast. Um, th that's one of the problems, this kind of cancel culture where just because I'm performance minded and I want to own a truck or an SUV, I'm bad. I don't think somebody that wants to own a little Prius is bad. I just think that's their choice. God bless them. Um, but I think, I think there are a lot of Americans in this country that still have an infatuation with the automobile. They're still performance minded. They want to drive a big vehicle, big vehicle, not a little compact or subcompact car. 
Um, and, and so I think the automobile is part of it. I think that um, our, our fans are very family centric. I think God had it right when he put a two party system in place with a mother and a father. Um, and, and what I mean by that is you cannot parent alone. Um, when you've reached your limit, you can hand that child off to a parent that has a fresh, has fresh patience. <laughs> um, you know, uh, dad is the hunter and gatherer and mom is the, um, just the unconditional love and support. Um, and so the two parent system, I think, again, was the right approach. And we have so many multi-generational families here, hmm. um, parents, grandparents, great grandparents, aunts, uncles. Um, so I think family is a big part of why our sport is um, so comprised of old school Americans. That, that's a term that just rolled off my tongue. You're not going to find it anywhere, but um, it, it, it's there are just extraordinarily good people um, in these racetracks. Is and that it, it, is that group of people dying off? Sadly, um, we have a graying fan base. Um, and that's a challenge for any promoter worth their salt. All you have to do is walk through your racetrack on any given day. And you're going to see, my God, he's 70, he's 60, he's mm. 65. She's 72. Um, we have a graying fan base. Sounds like and... Congress. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it really does. Uh, 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 so, so we have a challenge and that is how do we introduce young people and this is something that I don't think we we're able to touch on in December, but 48% um, of the kids born in this country are born to a single parent. Mm -hmm. Huge, huge problem. Um, and I think probably, um, truthfully, if you look at things, that, um, Craig, is probably one of the reasons we're in this shape is because half the kids born in this country are born to a single parent. And um, it's very hard. Dad's absentee, mom's trying to make ends meet. Um, you know, I had a, a, a minister tell me one time that the most critical hours are when school lets out at 2.30 up until mom gets home from work. What is that young man or young lady doing mm -hmm. in those critical hours? Who are they hanging with? What are they doing? Yeah. Um, you, you know, what habits are they forming? Um, as opposed to getting picked up at school, getting dropped off at the bus. Mom is there at the end of the driveway. I, listen, I, I'm not Ward Cleaver here. This isn't a, 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 a leave it to beaver expo expose. But, but what I'm saying is we're not better off today hmm. and um, we're worse. We're not better. Technology is great. And all of these advances, advancements in health and in technology, and that's all great. But the family unit is a disaster. And I think that's why we're in the shape we're in. And does, go ahead. Does that push, you know, if half of the children born almost uh, have one, one parent at home, does that then by default force them into the hands of a ever widening uh, arms of a, a big government to help take care of them? I mean, the, the idea that it's, uh, you know, daycare for all uh, should be a government product. 
the idea that uh, every kid needs pre-K, so at four years old, three years old, they need to be in school. Um, has has that really changed? So government's just so big that they're involved in all these social things that used to be the responsibility of the church, used to be the responsibility yes. of uh, the local, you know, Rotary Club or, you know, the, the local community, you know, you'd have one family that would take the kids as they were sure. out of school. Um, has government gotten so big now that now it's either pushed out those old systems that used to be that safe zone um, or did those old systems give that up willingly? No, I think, you know, we live in a welfare state and there's this mentality that, um, well, you'll take care of me, right? You know, mm-hmm. I, I think that's what this whole, this $600 CARES Act money, these multiple stimulus checks, um, you realize people receive that money based on 2019 earnings. Right. Um, that's ridiculous to me. Um, how about the people in 2020? Did we get that money in the hands of the people that were hurting the most mm-hmm. and in the greatest need? I, I, I would venture to say, I don't know, we should probably do a postmortem uh, on 2020 and find out. But as far as I know, a lot of people were impacted in 20 that had bumper crops in 2019. Um, the government wants to take care of us. And, and I think, and, and again, this is not necessarily my strong suit, but I can tell you that that's when socialism starts to creep in to our country because gover- I, government, if government knocked on my door and said, hey, I wanna take care of you, I would say, get the hell off my porch. Um, let me take care of me. Mm-hmm. That's the American way. That's what our forefathers intended. Now, if you have a legitimate need, um, I also believe that we are our brother's keeper. That's what the Bible says. So it, I think we should take care of one another. I, and and um, I think, you know, old school neighborhoods, um, if Sally was not at home, then your neighbor made sure that the kids got off the bus and, and, and they would come over to their house. And, and we, were, we were much kinder and much more responsible of each other. Now, that's kind of this I, me mentality. And, and, and we, 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 as a culture, have welcomed in um, government assistance. And we have you know, with eyes wide open, um, allowed a welfare state. And here we are. Uh, I, I think we need to take ownership of that. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I was taught from a young man that you don't blame anyone for your misfortune. Um, so we have to take ownership of that. We created it, we allowed it, and we need to fix it. You know, you talk about the government walking up to your door and, you know, offering to take care of you. Um, and, and rightly so, I think the response is, nope, let me do my business. Well, they almost did that in a different way, though, by saying you're not allowed to do your business. Right. And at, at that point, it, it, like, is there a response that from the, the people, from the citizens that should be, uh, no, get off our doorstep, so to speak? Well, I think that's what our House of Representatives and our Senate are for, right? Aren't they supposed to represent <laughs> the views and opinions 
Um, hey, I watch C-SPAN every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are not represented in government. Hmm. Um, government represents the interests of the men and women sitting in those seats. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not representing my interests. They're not representing your interests. And um, you're never going to convince me. Listen, I, I have friends that are Republicans. I have friends that are Democrats. This isn't an R&D thing. This is the reality that without term limits and and without keeping um, government in check, it will run amok. And and that's where we are. There is anybody on this planet that feels, if there's any U.S. citizen that thinks our government is operating correctly, they're crazy. Um, and, and you're never going to convince me of that. And that's not a Republican or a Democrat problem. That's a government problem. And um, Well, what's the fix for it? Well, I mean, because um, we know, I mean, I, I think we could both agree that the concept of term limits is phenomenal. Will it happen? Yeah. Never. Because Never. they would have to put it upon themselves, and that's not going to happen. Because then you wouldn't get to have these 80-plus-year-old elected people that have been in there for 30-plus years. Right. And it, well, it's a and, power and grab, isn't it, at some level? Absolutely. How does a career politician that's never worked um, <clears throat> in the private sector, uh, how does a career politician um, build worth 20 and 30 and 40 and 50 and 60 million dollars by being a career politician. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, unless that money, unless they were blue bloods and that money was inherited, um, you can't build extraordinary wealth by being a career politician. <laughs> well, <laughs> legitimately, that is be in service of yeah. the men and women of this country. Yeah. Um, You know, we've seen um, such violence this year, or, or, or in 2020, we saw the Capitol riot, and and that broke my heart as as an American. Um, <clears throat> sadly, um, probably, I don't know how to I, I don't know how to restore the republic peacefully. Mm. Um, I'm not saying I advocate doing it any other way. But the republic is lost, and we must restore the republic. Um, and, and you know what? L- let me ask you this. So if you're a dedicated, committed Christian, um, and, and, you want, and, and, and you're a red, white, and blue American, why the hell would you sign up for that job? You know? I, I mean, you, <laughs> You're, I, I made some comments in, in March of 2020 that were very sincere. Um, I, I believed them, mind, body, and soul. And all of a sudden, for an eight or 10-day stretch, I'm getting death threats. I, I came in with 75 really? voicemail. Yeah. Death um, threats? Wishing, wishing me dead, uh, wishing that I spread COVID to my family. Wow. Um, from people wishing or looking forward to attending my funeral. Um, just because you and I don't agree, why would I wish you dead? Mm-hmm. Um, we are so over center, mm-hmm. both sides. Listen, I don't think the Republicans were very American during 2020. Um, I don't think Democrats were very American during 2020. All we did was fight with one another. 
So let's set our R and D letters aside for a minute. Um, but I don't know. We've got to restore the republic. Because this how how the can that happen, though? Like, like, because I've for years now I've tried to figure out the the divide. What? Because it's it's worse than it's ever been in my life. I was born in '79, so I, you know, eked into the '70s. I've never seen it as long as I've been a, a, aware of political. Sure. I've never seen it divided like this. And what is the the, the fix? Because what I see, I, I see two ideologies that I don't think they can be compatible. And I'll lay, tell you what I think and you can respond. I, I believe there's an ideology on the conservative side of things that says the individual is the best decision maker for their goods and time and services. Mm-hmm. And then there's the, the liberal ideology that says government is the best decision maker for your goods and time and services. How can those two ideologies ever be compatible in any sense of the word? They can't. And I will tell you, 60s, uh, Ronald Reagan is my favorite president. Um, and I can tell you during that Reagan era, um, it, 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 I, I think this could be proven out that, you know, ours weren't that far right and D's weren't that far left. Um, you could reach across the aisle still um, and find some common ground. Well, we went from a, a modest separation to we, we are now to extreme. And there is no middle ground anymore. There is no concession. There is no working in the spirit of cooperation for what is best for the men and women of the United States of America. It it becomes a self-serving proposition based on all the pork that were in each one of these stimulus packages. Mm -hmm. Sending money to foreign interests, um, uh, feeding um, special interest groups, um, and, and all of the crap that was, if, if every American should take the time to read those, um, stimulus packages and, and all the crap in them that had nothing to do with helping the men and women of the United States of America. Um, so I, I don't know, do you just systematically, do we, do we just have men and women step up and say enough is enough for, for goodness sake, let's step up and write this ship. We didn't get here overnight. Um, and we're not going to get back to center overnight. And, and I think, listen, I think varying viewpoints is what made this country great. I'm not saying that we stifle the other, but what I'm saying is we need to agree on a core group of values, beliefs, um, and and we need to work toward that common goal. I, to me, government is broken, um, and I don't know that there's any salvation for it. And 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 listen, I'm a glass is half full guy, um, but but we've got to clean up dirty government, and government is dirty. And and uh, and it's self-serving and, and it's selfish and it's um, corrupt and I don't know if I had the answer to your question I probably wouldn't be running a racetrack <laughs> but but um, I do <clears throat> I you know what I think it's time that if in order to run for office you're not a politician how you about gotta that? be a business you have to work 
you've just not got to be a politician. Mm -hmm. You you need to not be bought and paid for. You need not to have promised your soul to special interests in order to get this, secure this dark money in order to get you elected. How about we start to limit how much spending you can, let's limit how much money you can spend on um, on a Senate seat on a House of Representatives seat, how much money you can spend in order to, because that's money. The the Bible says money is the root of all evil. And that's what it is. The love, Um, yeah. Yep, the love of money. Mm -hmm. And and that's what's happened. Government has fallen in love with money and fallen out of love with the people of this great country. Do you think part part of the issue is our pseudo two-party system that, that kind of says that you only are allowed to be anything in politics? if you are on one, one of these two letters, and that's it. You mean the independent party, the tea party? The, <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Well, just, just the idea know? that if you're it's a Republican or Democrat, that's where the money's at. So if you want to have any, any kind of say, you have to go there, and that's it. You have no other option. Well, here's the thing. How about, how about in a, if, if you are running for the United States House of Representatives, um, you can only spend a hundred thousand dollars in campaigning. Um, <laughs> if 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 you're going to if if you're not an R or a D, you don't have the dark money. Mm-hmm. You don't have the special interest money. You can't compete with no name recognition. If 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 you want to allow multiple parties to enter the picture, then you've got to curtail spending, election spending. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that would work. It, be any party you want, um, but your ideology has to be recognized as as what um, consistent with our forefathers' thinking. But as a Tea Party or an independent, I mean, there have been some incredible independents that have run over the years. They don't have the financial wherewithal. The only reason Trump got elected was because he had the financial wherewithal, the name recognition. I mean. The world, America fell in love with Trump and there are going to be people that say, I hate that guy. And I get that. But the fact that he was not a politician, the mm-hmm. fact that he was not presidential, the fact that he wasn't bought and paid for, um, that was, there was a romance there. And other, Ross Perot tried it, other people tried it, but, but Trump broke through and in the process is probably one of the most hated men on the planet, so so well, Time and admired is, according to Time. I think it was a Time magazine, one of them. Yeah, but but um, who who wants that job? Yeah, who wants that job? Um, <laughs> I mean, look at a president. Look at the physical traits of a president in year one versus year five versus year eight. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's like dog ears, you know. Um, a, a presidential year is seven years for every one year of, of, of human years. So, um, <laughs> That's the, so true. It, it is. It's insane. Um, look at how, you know, President Obama aged. In oh, his it was two- crazy. Yeah. Crazy. The stress. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, during race season, there is no place I can go to hide. And I'm not the president of anything other than my little racetrack. So um, I, I, I just think you know, we, we, we just got it all wrong. And, and we, we, we've, we've got to clean up government, you know, we've got to clean up Washington. So again, I just want to make clear to anyone listening that 
we are talking through that this is what free speech is supposed to be. It's the ability to talk through tough things without con- without consequence. We're not advocating violence. We're not um, encouraging anyone to uh, hurt anyone, break, you know, be lawless. Um, but I, I want to talk about what happened on the 6th uh, mm-hmm. in, at the Capitol in D.C. Um, you know, I, I, I watched it live as it went down. Um, and the, the news media, of course, were breathless with breaking news that uh, an insurrection, a coup was being was taking place um, by what I f- have seen as an unarmed group. And that's kind of hard to have an actual coup if you don't have any arms, um, in, my, in my humble opinion. Oh, but, but, I mean, <clears throat> I don't think we should break things. But then I look back on history we became a nation and became free from England by doing what? By standing up against a rogue government. Yeah. That's what our constitution and our bill of rights allows for. Um, was that, and again, we're not advocating for any of this, but what did you see happen on the sixth? And, and like, was it, Oh my goodness, our democracy's dead. It's being attacked. Um, or was it a wake-up call that says, wow, look where we're at. We're so divided that now we have this possibility that you may have a group of people that are so fed up and so upset. They're going to do that. They're going to go push through barricades and break into that building. I believe that people have had enough. They've had enough of big government. They've had enough of government overreach. They've had enough of corrupt politicians um, that are tone deaf to what really what real Americans are going through. Um, I think what you saw is perhaps the beginning, the very early stages of um, republic uh, restoring the republic. People have had enough, and you know what? It's government's fault mm-hmm. because they pushed us. They pushed those people and they're pushing Americans daily to, to the brink. And if restoring the Republic. Now, l- l- let me say something. If somebody walked in. If I had 10 rioters as a result of this podcast outside my office door, I would walk out, I would introduce myself, I would have a conversation and I would try to find some common ground. Um, If they start coming into my home and picking up my furniture, uh, you know, you saw the picture of the guy with the podium underneath his arm. Mm -hmm. Um, You saw the guy with his feet up on uh, Nancy Pelosi's desk. Um, There's a difference between protesting and um, stealing. Um, and th- what happened on that day is tragic. Um, I think it will be a blemish. I think it will be a, 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 a scar for a long time for a lot of people. So to go in unarmed, expressing your concern with government is one thing. Stealing, forcibly entering, but, but you know what? I don't know what the hell really happened because media won't tell us the (laughs) truth. Um, You know, I I know Nancy Pelosi was on 60 minutes and I abruptly changed the channel. Uh, Well, well, I I watched the first, uh, most of what they aired 
Okay. You, it's like 15 minutes long. You should go back and listen because it's fascinating. Hmm. Um, she, it, it was so crazy to me because the way she talked about that guy that was at her desk with his foot on it was almost as if, um, and maybe it is because she's Catholic, I don't know. Um, it sounded like she was referring as if someone had gone into the inner sanctum of a church and walked around. Yeah. He desecrated the desk with his foot on it. I'm sorry, ma'am. That's not. I mean, as far as I could tell, he didn't break it. He might have got some little dirt on it. That's right. not. Th- that's not what she said. But she was appalled and in tears almost that he would have sat there and desecrated her desk. Well, unfortunately, um, her office is uh, not a confessional. Her office is <laughs> right. not, um, y- you know, a, a, a um, I, I can't remember the term right now, but it's the part of the church, the altar part, the, um, uh, I'll, I'll think of it in a minute, but it's an office. Mm-hmm. It's a workspace. She's a politician. She, she doesn't belong to her either. It, right. It belongs to the men and women um, of the United States of America, mm-hmm. um, um, she, government works for the people, and somehow we are now working for the government, uh, which is obviously socialism at the highest level. Um, I, I fear, I do not advocate violence. Um, I, I will always seek a peaceful alternative. But you know what, when you are being threatened, Mm -hmm. and everything you believe in, when your God and your country are being threatened, sometimes, Craig, you've got to step up and hold your ground. And I think what happened uh, on the uh, uh, 6th of January um, is the beginning of, is a precursor potentially to some uh, very choppy waters ahead for this country, because I think people have realized that talking may not solve the problem. Mm. And that's what scares me. Um, There will be, there are lots of innocent people who are going to get caught up in something. Um, I mean, I think it's tragic. The guy that struck the police officer with the fire extinguisher, um, the woman who was a vet, 14-year um, vet, yeah. 14-year uh, veteran who served proudly the United States of America. Those are tragedies. Yeah. Um, and I don't, but, but I don't know. Let me ask you, do you think we can peacefully sit down with our government and, and, and write this ship? <laughs> it's almost laughable. Well, it, it seems like it when you hear the, the career politicians... And unfortunately, that's what they are when you hear them primarily on the left from what I see. uh, And I I mean, the right is not much better. So, I mean, it's they're both. If you're a career politician, um, I think you're the problem, no matter what party you're part of. Uh, I I don't see any change because for them to have that happen and then they walked in, you know, as soon as they could, they had to get back to doing the business. And then they try to bring this decorum back in and make this this charade uh, of this, these rules and this dignity. Um, let's just be honest. Uh, get your work done and then go back home and work. And maybe if you've been there for a long time, you should resign no matter yeah. what and let someone else in there. Yep. Um, yep. I, I, it, it, it's insane 
And and I've asked. Uh, I I had our one of our senators on here uh, back in May, and I specifically asked about um, term limits. And what do you think? And he's a Republican. Um, well, until the career uh, bureaucrats have term limits, then 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 that's it. Sorry, I I don't uh, I don't agree with that. Yeah. I think there should be no reason that. Uh, you should be able to make a career out of elected politics. Nope. nope. And I don't Absolutely. think that was the way it was intended. No. It was not well, a full-time job. No. It, it was supposed to be a supplemental income. It was supposed to, you were supposed to supplement um, your, and I mean, and unfortunately it became, uh, it, it provides stature, it provides, all of these perks and benefits and, 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 um, but it also, it's also a, it also provides wealth, Mm -hmm. um, and, and excess. Um, and, and, and I think truthfully, most of those men and women have lost focus of why they're even there. I think in the beginning, uh, I, I, I would like to believe that intentions were pure in the beginning. Um, but you become a product of your environment. (laughs) And um, when you start looking at the dollars and the prestige and the power, it starts to feed your ego. You start to, you know, um, you start to create false gods in your mind. You, you become above the law. Um, the easiest way to fix it is for God himself to come down and empty the house and empty <laughs> right. the Senate. And, and, and we start over. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I still believe in the United States of America. I believe in the ingenuity and the creativity and the resiliency of the American people. And I, I think I think we'll solve this, but I think it's going to be painful. I really do. And that's the sad part. Yeah. Um, the, but we're going to have to fight to take our country back. Yeah. There's uh, one more one more question before we can get back to some some down-to-earth real topics that are life <laughs> and happier. Sure. Um, what does a Joe Biden presidency look like um, at, in Ohio, in middle America, uh, at, at, at the home level for the um, next four years? I, I don't know that anything really changes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I base that off of, you know, being a little retrospective. Um what did eight years of Obama mean? I, mm-hmm. You know, the thing that hurts the most uh, is the uh, Health Care Reform Act, where I could offer we 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 provide 100 percent of people's health care coverage. Um, wow, really? I could, yeah, <laughs> I could fantastic. provide health care to a 20 or 30 something in good health for about 140 dollars a month. Now that same male or female, 20s, 30s, good health is five, $600 a month. Really? Um, I yes. thought it was supposed to be a better deal. No, it's a worse deal. And, and I, so as a entrepreneur in rural Northern Ohio, I can tell you that what Obama meant to me was unaffordable. I, I could completely unaffordable healthcare for an employer providing a hundred percent healthcare coverage to um, the men and women that work at Summit Motorsports Park. Um, so uh, we adjust, we move forward. 
Um, uh, and so, you know, the thing about, I guess my question for President Biden would be how competent is he? How mm. coherent is he? What is his mental, what is his true mental state? Um, I, I, I saw, I, I'm, I'm sure he's an exceedingly bright man. Um, I, I question his integrity. I question his motive. Um, and, and quite frankly, I, I fear that, I mean, will we ever have another Republican elected president in the United States of America? But, but again, getting back to the original question, um, I think four years of, of, of Joe Biden, um, it breaks my heart, but I, I, we will adapt and adjust. I will, whatever hand of cards I'm dealt, I will play that hand and um, we'll figure out a way to um, move forward. You got to keep moving yeah. forward. Um, it's a setback for our country. Um, but if, if, you know, it's funny, all of these groups that helped get Biden elected now have their hand out. Um, and they've been very vocal about that, BLM uh, and others. So I don't know. I, I'm going to kind of take a wait and see approach. Um, so uh, I, I, unless there's something groundbreaking like uh, the Affordable Health Care Act, I don't know that it'll be that dramatically yeah. impactful to us. Um. All right. Enough heavy, weird crap. <laughs> um, and I'm exhausted. Let's right. have some fun. <laughs> um, the Sportsman of the Year Award that you guys, the Bill Bader Sportsman of the Year Award, how did that come about? Yeah. And what does that mean to the people that get it? Um, that is our most coveted award. Uh, the award was named after my father, um, and gosh, I'm trying to remember, Craig, how many years ago it wasn't always. It, it was always the Sportsman of the Year. 1975 and, looks like the first recipient that is yes. listed on the website. Yes. Okay. Well, and of course, my father bought the track in the spring of 1974. Um, so we probably had our first banquet in January of 1975. Uh, so either we either. Um, introduced that award in year one or year two of, of dad owning the racetrack. The sportsman of the year has nothing to do with how many races you've won. It has nothing to do with how many rounds of competition you've won, how much money you've won. It has to do with the quality um, of you as a human being. Hmm. So the sportsman of the year is a unselfish, um, Christian man or woman, because we have, we've had a number of female inductees uh, into the, uh, or, or recipients uh, of the Sportsman of the Year, but it really speaks to your character, your integrity, um, and uh, it, it really is our most coveted award. Mark Thomas, who is the winningest alcohol funny car driver in International Hot Rod Association history, uh, probably said it best. And he said, you know, when I win a championship, that means I'm a good racer. But in receiving the sportsman of the year, it means I'm a good human being. Mm. And that's probably the best way to say that. And there's obviously none for 2020 that I can see, or or was there? Did you guys have anything in 2020? No, okay. no, unfortunately, no. <clears throat> 
Um, how did you like? <laughs> when did you know that you were going to be taking the reins of that ship, the racetrack? Well, um, that was always the plan. Um, so probably, well, I, I can. <laughs> so uh, probably when my dad came home after finishing the deal to buy the IHRA and relocated from Bristol, Tennessee to Norwalk. Um, so that would have been in 1997, um, and it was, uh, winter 97, spring 98, um, dead of winter out here on a gray snowy day. And my father came in to remove his personal items and move them to the IHRA office. Prior to that, it was supposed to be a seamless transition over time. I had really been running the business since 1994. Mm. Um, but in the plan was that dad would re, re, quietly retire and start to recess back into the background and it would be very trans it would be very subtle almost invisible to people well in buying the ihra it became it was a moment in time wow bill bader is bill bader senior is leaving norwalk raceway park uh he bought the ihra um key management left with him. So we created this kind of seismic shift, um, which brought with it a lot of challenges because that was never the intent. It was supposed to be seamless. And instead, you know, <laughs> right. we took a jack. Instead it was a Band-Aid. Right. Yeah, it, it was like, boom. Yep. Um, so, but, but, but clearly probably the mid nineties, hmm. um, I, I was aware, but I thought, I probably had more time than I did because the acquisition of IHRA <clears throat> was never discussed, never planned. It it happened in 14 days. Wow. What, what's the most important part of your role uh, when, when you have events? Like what, what is priority one for you at an event? Our, our, our guests and our team members. Um, I am there to serve our guests. Mm -hmm and make sure that that we are meeting or exceeding expectations. And number two, I am there in a support role um, to make sure that the men and women I work alongside um, have every tool at their disposal to be successful. One of the things that you, uh, you talked about briefly um, when I met you the first time, um, that is still, I mean, I think about it almost every day because as a business owner myself, um, and you said the complaining customer is your friend. Can you break that down just a little bit? Sure. Um, so if, if during an event, a customer comes to you, a guest, um, you, you know, when, when you're putting together a wedding or a Christmas party, um, you don't call them customers, you call right. them guests. So our guests, everybody who comes through and buys a ticket or a tech card is a guest in our home. And that is way different. Think about referring to people as guests versus customers. Mm. So there are guests. Um, and if somebody is going to take the time to seek you out in person or draft a letter, fold it up, put it in an envelope, address it with a stamp or write a lengthy email or send you a text message, if they're going to take their personal time to express something that is of a concern to them, to me, that means they're vested 
in their complaint and they want something. Mm. What do they want? In the most rudimentary level, it's not that they, what, what they're not just, it's not like they've got time on their hands and they're going to draft a letter just because <laughs> um, they're vested because yeah. they care and they care because they want you to fix it um, because they want to come back. So if somebody takes their precious time to express to you something that's wrong, um, I think our basic nature is to bristle, mm -hmm. to get defensive. Um, no, that's an advocate. That's an ambassador that you have that's out there looking out for you and your business. Um, we have a half a million people that visit the racetrack. Um, and now people almost come up apologetic. Hey, Bill, listen, you guys, the, okay, here's an example. <laughs> Somebody will come up and say, God, Bill, you guys are doing a great job. I know you're getting crushed by the weather, um, but I've, there's a portage on out there that hasn't been cleaned all weekend. Mm. Um, okay, so we've been beaten up by weather. Um, we're in a tough economy. Um, we're, we haven't slept in three days. Um, we haven't, I haven't eaten and I've got some guy who wants to complain about a portage on. It's very easy, um, to grow impatient, restless, or angry. Um, but that guy cares. Yeah. That guy cares about my business. How the hell can I be mad at him for that? <laughs> um, and so, you know, you check your ego and, and here's the other thing. Nobody cares about what my problems are. Nobody cares that I haven't slept, that I'm not making any money, that maybe I've just gotten a divorce, which I haven't, that I, I've lost a loved one, which I haven't. Um, so from my side, um, they're, they're trying to help me. Hmm. Um, secondarily, and, and this is not a two-way street, interestingly, when, when somebody comes up who's just ornery, who's complaining, who's unhappy, um, does anybody ever take the time to maybe do a deep dive into what's wrong? What's really wrong? Um, maybe he did lose the love of his life. Maybe mm -hmm. he was just diagnosed with an advanced stage of cancer. Maybe he just lost a child. Maybe he just lost his job. Um, maybe he just lost his mom or dad tragically. Um, so I think that basically people are good. I think that basically people want to be happy. I think it, Culture makes it very difficult, but I, I always try to give our guests the benefit of the doubt. And listen, I'm not perfect at it, but I'm pretty damn good at it um, because those are my friends. Those are people who want me to win um, and I don't pay them. They pay me. So think about that. I have a million people. I have 8,000 different racers that race with me. They all pay me money. They all allow me to heat and air condition my home. And oh, by the way, they're my eyes and my ears on this 400 acre parcel of property. Um, we've got to look at things differently. We've got to slow the hell down. We move too fast. We, we, we live our life now by check boxes and lists yeah. and, 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 you know, think about it. We're always running late. We're, we're, we're never where we should be. So now all of a sudden when somebody, I'm, my goal is to move from point A to point B. And along the way, somebody interrupts that travel. Um, and, and they're not an inconvenience. 
They're what allows you to be able to buy Christmas presents. They're, they are the men and women that allow you to feed your family. Um, so those people are your friends. Now, I, I want to contrast, well, you know what, go ahead. I, I'm going to contrast my personal behavior to what I encourage my guests to do. Hmm. Um, so when I go somewhere and I have a bad experience, I never say a word. I just don't go back. Hmm. That's me. So I deal with people every day. And so if I go to a hotel and the room isn't quite right, or my meal wasn't good, or I have a bad experience, I smile. Um, if, 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 the, if, the, if the food or if the restaurant experience was bad, I'll tip 18%. If the experience is good, I tip 25%. Um, the, the service sector is the most underpaid, underappreciated segment of our population. And you couldn't pay me enough to be a server in a restaurant. Just listen to people <laughs> right. and, and how rude they are. Yeah. So, um, um, so, so let's contrast the complaining customer versus the customer who just doesn't come back. Which one would you rather have? Mm. You know? Yeah. So um, the complaining guest, the complaining customer, man, they're your, hell, they're super fans. Yeah. And, and they should be encouraged um and 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 appreciated not shunned <laughs> where did you learn that was that just over time or was that something that was taught to you um I, so i would say initially it was a principle it was a core competency of Norwalk Dragway, which became Norwalk Raceway Park, which is now Summit Motorsports Park. So very early in my managerial career, that was something that my father always believed in. Hmm. So initially that was something that was, I, I would say it was not delicately ported into me. It was beat into me <laughs> with a sledgehammer. Nice. Um, but, but over time, I, I took it to a whole new level. Um, because things change, you know, and, and there's advancements in, in, in everyday lives in, in our everyday life. So I took a principle and I created a culture with it. And one, one of those pieces of culture, uh, is really, really cheap ice cream. <laughs> maybe <laughs> um it's not really you, well cheap, Craig, well but, um, <laughs> I, no, maybe not in your no um what i'm uh bobby fazio talks about as a kid going there and mm -hmm. you know and and doing that and you know as a young racer um you sell a pound of ice cream for a dollar how yes. long has that been happening and what is the um, like how did that come about and it continues today correct yes Yes. So, uh, our, our, within, we're Lebanese. Uh, my great grandparents were in arranged marriage and came over from Lebanon as a very young couple. Um, so family culture, uh, is all very important. And within our family, we had cousins that were ice cream makers. We had cousins that were chocolate makers. Um, and the Dagger family from Utica, Ohio, uh, owned velvet ice cream. And, 
ice cream was just always, it was a staple. It was, was, it was a staple in our house. My father um, is a textbook entrepreneur slash workaholic. <laughs> and he would come home late at night and he would take a half gallon of ice cream. He would take a serrated knife, cut it right down the middle. He would take half and I would take half and we would eat ice cream. And, and um, so uh, one gallon became, or whatever the old carton mm -hmm. is, I guess it was a half gallon. Um, and we would split that. And um while we were watching and dad we would watch dark shadows which was an old scary black and white <laughs> set in medieval england where bats and vampires and crazy stuff and for most of my childhood life i couldn't sleep in the summertime with windows open because i was scared to death that a bat would fly <laughs> in and turn into a vampire um and we didn't have central air so oh, man <laughs> um, needless to say i whatever calories i consumed i sweated in bed um taking <laughs> it in the middle of the night but um so my father comes up one day with this idea that let's serve a pound of ice cream for a dollar and we're going to put a scale on the counter and we're going to scoop ice cream cream and we're going to put it on the scale and if it doesn't measure at least a pound the guest gets it for free oh man and it 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 it, it just stuck um and it grew it grew in legend and it and 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 here we are today um and the pound of ice we have people who drive off the street um who come in and buy a ticket to get a pound of ice cream, to get in their car, go back out the gate and go on their way. Really? Um, they buy entry yeah. fee just to go buy ice cream? Yep. We have people who buy 10 pounds, 12 pounds of ice cream and they wrap it up and they put it in their freezer and they take it home with them. Wow. Um, velvet ice cream is really good. Um, it's a regional, it's a family owned and operated business. It's a very good ice cream they probably haven't cornered the market as the only really good ice cream producer in the country, <laughs> but, but they're close, <laughs> but, but people love our ice cream mm. and it's become, it, it was very innocently contrived and nobody had any idea. Um, we can be at the summit racing equipment, NHRA nationals. I can have John force ready to, go 330 miles an hour in his funny car. And I've got people, I've got 200 people in line waiting to get a pound of ice cream for a dollar. And it defies logic. It makes no sense. Um, but, but like Bobby, you know, it's on your list. When you go to Norwalk, you got to get a pound of ice cream. Yeah. And well, it makes me want to drive there now. I mean, I want to take the kid, the family for a road trip now. <laughs> you're let me know when you're coming and, and we'll roll out the red carpet for you. Excellent. But, um, we, um, you know, our philosophy always was, um, do you ever see anybody frowning when they're eating ice cream? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I mean, just look around and you've got people in the dead of summer with ice cream running down their hand. They're smiling, they're visiting, they're bench racing, they're socializing. Um, everybody's pretty happy when they're eating ice cream. And, and it's just, it's just something that is part of the Norwalk experience that just took on a life of its own. And now it's a staple that won't change. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> no, well, you know, it's funny. I was, I was just talking to our CPA yesterday and, and we're doing some planning and some forecasting for the coming year. And she's on me. She, she said, Bill, you, 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 
how long can you continue to offer an item for a dollar <laughs> right. when the product, when the cost is 50 to 60 cents more mm -hmm. than what you're selling it for? Um, and I said, Judy, you don't understand. Um, <laughs> if, if I, I, man, oh man, I, I think I would create a seismic um, shift in <laughs> the world if God forbid I were to raise the price of ice cream. Um, and yet we're coming off a year where obviously it was financially devastating. Mm -hmm. But but here's the thing. Why do our guests care about that? I mean, just think about it. Sure, our guests love us. Our guests care about us. But our guests have such an exceedingly high expectation, which we helped create. And, and I don't, if I've got a half a million people that think we're the greatest thing since sliced bread, why the hell would I want to do anything to lower that expectation? That's insane. So I've got to figure out another way. I, 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 I've just, you know, what's the saying? When a man has no options, his path becomes clear. Um, if raising the price <laughs> right. or reducing the volume are no options, yeah. I got to figure out another way. And maybe, maybe another way is Right, you subsidize. Maybe you add a quarter to your hamburgers, hot dogs, mm -hmm. French fries. Um, but but I'm pretty sure that if I raise the admission price, or I raise the price of ice cream, I would get more complaints about raising the price of ice cream right. than raising. The um, it it's 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 like I don't know. It, mm. It's just crazy. Um, but it's cool, and I, I sure am damn proud that it's at our racetrack and not somewhere else. That's true. Uh, the yeah. website says you guys sell over 50,000 pounds annually. Yep. That is crazy. It is crazy. That's got to be a product. phenomenal contract for Velvet. Um, it is. They, are, <laughs> you know, they service us incredibly well. They, the exposure, the, 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 it's a win-win. It's good for us. It's good for Velvet. It's, a, it's family. Mm -hmm. um, it's a beautiful thing. That's very cool. Yeah. Well, I absolutely want to come check it out now because it would be fun. And I, I was looking at the map earlier today, and it, it's, it'd probably take us a couple of days. It wouldn't be too bad. We'd... Yeah, you're in... We're in eastern South Dakota. Eastern South Dakota. Yeah. So that's not yeah, too bad. Right. Just around the horn. Sure. Uh, well, Bill, I uh, I don't want to keep you too much longer, but I really appreciate this. Um, I, I, I appreciate your insight being in the industry you're in and the the time you've been in that and then you know what what it means to be an american business entrepreneur and um how important uh, treating your guest customer is uh in in business and it, you know because no one wants to go back to a business where they're crabby ever no and, we're, and they won't. We're, we're, this is an escape yeah. this is an escape place for people they, they want to check out of reality um they don't want a dose of it uh, mm -hmm. They want to escape it. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm also very proud that this year will be part of, um, I think, healing um, uh, people in our part of the country and, and restoring some normalcy, whatever the hell that means. But, <laughs> but um, we have a job to do this year, and that's entertain people and welcome them back into our home and, and make them feel special and, 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 and help you know, just help people recover. Mm -hmm. And 
Um, that's going to be the coolest part of my job in 2021. That's great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, again, I, I'd love to do this again at the end of the year and see how 21 stacked up and what we can what we can learn from it. Hopefully I'm still upright and I don't look like a, a drooling uh, pile of ooze. So uh, we'll reconnect. That's wonderful. Well, I appreciate it. Bill Bader Jr. Um, of Summit, well, Summit Motorsports Park in Norwalk, Ohio. Uh, the, the internet website is summitmotorsportspark.com for all the latest uh, events that you're having and you've got several events planned like on the schedule like the whole year is booked out right yep. oh yeah we have the most aggressive schedule in our history um we need to make hay this year uh so. did you have any issues uh getting drivers at all or is the, were they just waiting oh everybody in our in, in our business segment our our population is chomping at the bit mm. um to get back at it so I'm very, I have great expectations for this year. Your uh, first event is May 27, starts May 27. Um, you have a Patriot Pass, I see. Is that a like a entry to all the events or what is that? Yeah, that is a, so we actually open April 10th with uh, the spring warm-up. And then we have, again, I kind of backloaded the schedule. So we have Wednesday Amateur Nights, Friday Test and Tune, Saturday Edelbrock Super Series Points Races, and then our first true uh, big event, uh, a large spectator capacity event is gonna be PDRA Memorial Day weekend. Um, and uh, so um, the Patriot Pass, <clears throat> because of the nature of our business, because we are subject to weather and rainouts, and because we have facility lease partners and, and everything else, the Patriot Pass is a season pass. So you buy the Patriot Pass, that gets you in every day of every event in 2021. Wow. Um, yeah. And uh, that is a tremendous value. Mm -hmm. And you can uh, read about it on our website. That's fantastic. Well, cool. Um, and hey, you get a pound of ice cream for a dollar. That's right. Velvet ice cream for a buck. <laughs> that's, that's so great. Bill Bader Jr., thanks again. Um, any way uh, people can contact you directly? or uh, You're not on the social media, so, I mean, you no, have... Uh, uh, you know, I will give people my uh, email. It is W-A-B, William Abraham Bader. So W-A-B at summitmotorsportspark.com. Um, and my cell number is 419 577 5210. Wow. Appreciate your uh, availability that you give sure. people and you have a great amount of insight and I, I really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we'll talk more soon. So you're a good man. And I look forward to, I've only chatted with you for a few <laughs> hours through my uh, MacBook screen, but uh, I, I, um, I can tell you, I like you a lot and I look forward to uh, meeting you in person sometime. Well, likewise, that will be fun. We'll, we'll bring the family over. We'll, okay. We'll, we'll try to make that happen, definitely. So thanks okay. a lot. This is the interview on the Y Millbank Podcast Network. Uh, thanks a lot for listening. Ymailblank.com is the e or the website. Ymailblank at gmail.com is the web's uh, email address if you have any questions, comments, uh, or you have a story to tell on our network here. Thanks a lot. Have a great day. Um, be safe. And see you on the next one. Have a good one. Bye.